wanted to talk to you about something very important that's surfacing in the media, in articles, newspapers, everything lately. And it's about um, teenage patients, quote unquote, suffering through unnecessary pap smears and exams. So let's take a look at this. And I'm going to talk to you about my approach to this very special adolescent age range of patients. So first of all, these national recommendations that we have that discuss um, the stipulation of not getting pap smear until the age of 21, um, skipping pap smears only one every three years or so after normal paps up to the age of 30 and not getting them at all after hysterectomy and multiple other ideas. Let's look at where those ideas have come from to begin with. So most of those stipulations have come from individuals at research centers, some of whom have not seen a patient regularly in 20 years, and they're looking at facts and statistics and costs. They're looking at how long it takes certain things to develop, like cervical cancer, they're looking at what's called epidemiology or population data factored in with cost, looking at how much does it cost to diagnose each case of cervical cancer or cervical dysplasia. Okay, they're also taking into account the option that as far as screening for STDs, we can screen through certain STDs through urine, um, you know, and blood work. Okay. All right, great. I will tell you that in my particular patient population in Monroe, Michigan, these recommendations have not worked out so well with regards to spacing out PAPs or not screening teenagers, um, stopping PAPs altogether after certain ages. And I don't know whether that's because Monroe, Michigan is a particular microcosm of pathology, and we just have greater instances of cancers and other abnormal conditions. I, I don't know. But let me tell you the approach that I've taken to these recommendations. So I will tell you that I recommend to every mom that comes into my office who has teenage daughters to get them in for a visit once they start having a period regularly. But this is what I mean by visit. By visit, I mean they come in, they talk to me. We go over what's going on with their bodies. We talk about what to expect. We talk about their options for, you know, pain management during their menses, answer questions about sex, talk about the pros and cons of becoming sexually active, talk about protection against STDs, and many other topics. These initial visits, for me, don't necessarily require any removal of clothing or an exam. But... If I have a teenager under the age of 18 or 21 who's engaging in high-risk behaviors, who has multiple partners, who has definitive STD exposures, or that I'm looking for things like, you know, warts or herpes ulcers or things like that, I can't assess those conditions without actually having them remove their clothing and get an examination. I don't know how else to diagnose those things. So there are some cases where I even perform an exam on a teenage patient. Another instance might be a teenage patient who is having some menstrual abnormalities and very 
well might be suffering from some kind of congenital anomaly. I can't diagnose that without doing an exam either. I will say from a personal standpoint, I feel that once a teenager has made that choice to become sexually active, there's a certain amount of responsibility that should be embraced with that. And that includes taking care of their bodies and protecting themselves and valuing themselves and guarding against sexually transmitted diseases and getting their Gardasil vaccination to help prevent cervical cancer. All of these things together. I think responsibility is an issue with sexually active teenagers. Now, I will also tell you, and this is just a personal standpoint, that while I realize that even when a young woman has cervical dysplasia, and it could take 10 years for it to actually develop into cervical cancer, I'm still a big fan of addressing issues and increasing awareness when things are not a big problem yet. This doesn't mean I'm performing procedures on every young woman who has low grade. That's not indicated at this point. It's a matter of something that can just be followed. And is there a chance it can resolve on its own? Sure, but I'd rather be sure that I'm the one that's there when it's not resolving on its own to catch it before it's a big problem. These are just some personal reflections. Um, I also have come to understand after 24 years in practice that sometimes I am the only person that that young woman feels confident in confiding to because she knows that her conversations are confidential and that I can truly be of non-judgmental help and service to help keep her safe. So these are just some thoughts to relay. Um, you know, I find it distressing seeing all these headlines about teenagers suffering with exams. I don't know what's occurring in other offices, but I can assure you there's no one suffering in my office, even if they did have to get an exam. And the exams that we perform on patients that are under the age of 21 are, are all indicated and only follow a thorough discussion and an initial meeting where the patient hasn't had to get dressed and can disclose all possible risk factors in a comfortable manner. So take a minute and digest some of these thoughts. And I want to add one final point. So the national recommendations about, you know, skipping pap smears after a certain point or spacing them out to every three years, I just want to point out that these can be very confusing for women because these recommendations are only addressing the pap smear itself. The pap smear is about 30 seconds of what I do in any given visit. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be getting annual examinations. Okay, because for example, at my office, when a patient comes in for their annual, they get a head to toe physical exam, including a pelvic exam and their pap. I don't know about you, but without a headlight and some significant contortionist abilities, no patients can self assess what's going on intravaginally or even necessarily with their vulva without someone else with a professional degree having an examination. There are some conditions of the vulva and vagina and other parts besides the cervix that sometimes only have a warning sign of a random itch or a small discoloration in the skin. And that may be the only clue that your body tells you that something is seriously wrong. And without an expert to help you analyze that, again, these what could be very small things become very large issues, sometimes progress to cancer, and require much more extensive treatment. 
These are just some thoughts I wanted to share with you. Please feel free to call us at the office, make appointments for consultations or anything that you need clarification on, or you can even comment on this video and I'd be happy to answer questions. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.